Welcome to Talking Shop with Teresa and Bree. This is a show where we dish out lots of tips and advice for mystical business owners and service providers. Now, whether you work as a tarot card reader, maybe a Reiki healer or intuitive counselor, maybe you're an oracle or a medium or uh, a pet uh, therapist, you know, any kind of spiritual or sacred art, if you're using any of that in your profession, this show is for you. And my name is Teresa. And I'm Bree. And we've both been self-employed for decades, and we know what goes into running a successful business. We've done the whole blood, sweat, and tears thing, and we walk the walk and talk our talk. We do this show together once a month because we love, love, love helping our fellow soul-based entrepreneurs thrive and succeed. Absolutely. You know, really, this show is a labor of love for us because we really do love our peers, and we we really want you guys all to succeed, and we know how hard it can be sometimes to run your business, and there's really not there's not a lot of information or shows out there for people who are involved in these more metaphysical or soul-based businesses. So what we do yeah. for each episode of Talking Shop, we tackle different topics that you know often our peers are struggling with, and we bring in special guests to really... Um, educate us and we always end up learning a lot from these shows so it's it's super cool for us too and today's topic i think brie and you're probably going to agree with me is one of the most hardest scariest subjects for people who are in these soul-based businesses or really self-employed any kind of self-employed field i think we're going to be talking about bookkeeping and our show tonight is called keeping your bookkeeping real Yes, yes it is, and it is super scary and intimidating, but we have the perfect guest to talk with us about this, the founder of Heart-Based Bookkeeping, and my dear friend and my personal bookkeeper, so I can vouch for her all the way, Jessica Reagan-Salzman. Jessica, thank you for joining us. We are so excited to have you here. Oh, the excitement is mutual. I appreciate it so much, and I thank you guys for inviting me to join you tonight, and I just love the mission of this show, and I'm right here with you guys, thrilled to help everyone as best we possibly can with this wonderful topic that gets people really bound up on a regular basis. Right on. Yes, yes. It, it, you know, it's it's a scary, numbers are scary for people, money is scary for a lot of people. Uh, real quick, Jessica, before we even start digging into this topic, can you tell our audience where they can find you if they're looking to connect with a good bookkeeper? Where can they get, when they, where can they get in touch with you? Absolutely. Heartbasedbookkeeping.com. Um, you can even just type in heartbased.com. They'll both get you to the same place. Uh, you can also find me on Facebook if you came in through the event on Facebook. I'm Jessica Reagan Salzman on Facebook. Awesome. So we have been doing a little bit of a money talking thing on our show recently. In fact, uh, we had financial therapist Barry Tesler on our show recently. And in that show, what we talked about was a lot of our money stories. You know, so we talk about we talked about you know how we feel about money and our attitudes and how they harm us. But tonight, what we really want to focus on is the practical nuts and bolts about bookkeeping, because again, like Rhea and I said, this is something that we all tend to fear. And also, what I have found is that a lot of mystical entrepreneurs avoid this subject or even avoid doing this work. 
So let's start out with the basics. What do we need to know about setting up a bookkeeping system, a a non-scary one? (laughs) Absolutely. The first thing you need to know is you need to breathe. You absolutely need to remember your breath whenever you are going to approach a topic like this. It is so super common, especially if you've fallen behind and you have like a big stack of stuff you have to tackle and it feels like this thing you've hidden in the closet that you probably haven't been open with anyone about, you have to remember to breathe. And I literally mean that. Like it's not just like a thing I'm saying. Actually stop and take a few deep breaths before you even engage with the process. And then what I like to remind my clients and anyone who's working with bookkeeping is bookkeeping really can be summarized as the simple process of making sure you understand how much money came in, how much money went out, and what's left over. And we can talk about that in more sophisticated terms, and most bookkeeping systems do kind of have labels for all of that, but when it comes right down to it, the basics are very simple. How much money came into your business, how much money went back out, and then what's left over, and that number is going to either be your profit or your loss. And every good bookkeeping system is going to provide you with that amount of information at a minimum. Right on. So, so helpful, really clear. So I want to, from that question, Teresa, I want to move into one of the questions you received. Mm, Yeah, go right ahead. From from our caller, because I think this is a really good one, and Jessica and I have talked about this before. So this is what she wrote in, Jessica. She says, I track all my expenses and sales, so yay, that's awesome. However, I give a lot of freebies, hostess gifts, and incentives. I also make a lot of donations for gift baskets to raise money for silent auctions and whatnot. This cuts into my profits. Since since I'm already charting them as an expense, can I also subtract the retail value or a portion of it somehow and add that to my losses? Yep, so the answer is no. She nailed it when she mentioned because she's already tracking uh, tracking her cost. When you are involved in any sort of charitable giving, whether it's professionally or personally, you are only allowed to deduct from your taxes, you know, write off the amount of money that you actually spent. You can't accommodate for your time either. So it's very common. In that example, it's a physical thing she's donating, but in a lot of cases, people will say, hey, I went and I volunteered for three hours, and if I had been paid for that, I would have made, you know, 400 bucks. Can I write off the $400? The answer is no. The IRS only allows you to take a deduction for the amount you actually incurred. Awesome. But we also know that really you, get, you get a huge spiritual benefit. I always remind people, don't be deterred by that, though, because you get a huge spiritual benefit from actually donating your time. So don't be afraid to donate your time if you're making ends meet. Obviously, if you aren't making ends meet, it's very important to provide for yourself before you go and take care of others. But definitely there's other advantages to donating, um, but the financial benefits of donating are limited to that actual cost that you've incurred. I did not know that. That yeah. is awesome. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, she also had another another part to this question. She said, "How do I better? How do I keep better track of my inventory? I'm in the essential oil business, and each oil bottle I buy has 85 or 250 drops, depending on the size of the bottle. Some I use for personal use. When I give samples, I normally put 10 drops in a little teeny bottle that costs me about 25 to 35 cents. This varies with shipping costs and tax per order." 
and all my materials vary by shipping costs and tax costs. I don't know what I have on hand at any given time except for what I see when I open my drawer. So I don't know what I have as far as assets and products available. Do you have any advice on how to keep better track of this? Yeah, absolutely. So there's going to be two layers there. There's going to be the keeping track for the sake of knowing when you need to reorder and knowing what you have available as far as managing your inventory, what you're going to give away and what you're going to have on hand. That I would recommend using something like Excel just to keep a straight list of what you have. And you can measure the bottles by if they're full, if they're half full, if they're nearly empty. You don't want to get into trying to nitty-gritty it and, you know, know, okay, I've taken 10 drops out of this bottle. You'll go insane. You'll be driving yourself crazy. So I would use something like uh, 100%, 50%, or almost empty to kind of gauge that for your inventory management. And I recommend something like Excel because it's really easy to use. You can go in there and you can change things. You can see the list. You can scroll around. You're not having to click through different complicated screens or set up different cost bases and, and try to make that all very, very technical. And then on the financial side of that, I would recommend making sure that your bookkeeping system can accommodate for tracking what you've spent by the bottle on the supplies for the business. I would recommend ordering your personal supplies separately, paying for them through your personal bank account, and then ordering the business supplies through your business bank account. And what I would recommend is tracking it based off of if the bottle is open, I would consider the bottle to be fully consumed for the purposes of being a good that has been sold or a good that has been given away. So basically at the end of the year, all you have to do is take stock of the bottles you have that are not open. So if you were to look in your drawer and you were to see that you had, you know, a bottle of frankincense that wasn't open, a bottle of lavender, whatever it might be, you could count those as inventory. And it only matters on 1231 because the IRS isn't concerned with what you had on hand throughout the course of the year. They're interested with what you had on hand at the end of the year when you close out your tax year. So that makes it a lot simpler for the tracking purposes. You just have to look on 1231 or January 1st, depending on what's going on. Just make sure you know right at the end of the year what you actually had on hand that was not yet opened that would be considered inventory. And there's a little bit more specifics that I would go into someone um, with how to track that in the actual bookkeeping system. Basically, everything you're paying for throughout the course of the year is going to go against cost of goods sold, and then at year-end, you would just adjust that amount against inventory. So you would reduce cost of goods sold and increase inventory just to accommodate for whatever that small quantity on hand at the end of the year. Awesome. Super well, I think helpful. that really answers absolutely that question helpful. well and thoroughly. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, her final question, because we wanted to make sure that we got to these, and I know you'll have, you'll have information on this, Jessica. She asked, how do I pay myself and what should I pay myself? Yes. So that question is one of my favorite questions because the answer is your bookkeeping system is your best guide to answer this. So it is very important to set up at a minimum a simple system where you know how much came in, how much went out, what's left over. Because for the simplicity's sake, the what's left over is typically going to be your actual pay. It's going to be your income. It's what the IRS is going to tax you on. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to pull every penny out because you're a business owner. You're probably going to be reinvesting money back into the business. But in order to know how much to pay yourself, you have to understand how much 
the business is actually making. Now, if your business is um, more sophisticated and you've set yourself up as an S corporation, then you're going to have to be paying yourself through payroll, and then you really need a bookkeeping system because you've got to track all of the nuances of having payroll and so on and so forth. But regardless of what it is, in order to figure out how to pay yourself, you've got to have that bookkeeping system in place, and then the pay is going to be pulled out of that account. Ideally, you're going to have a business bank account, whether it's a sole proprietor account that just has your name on it or it's a specific business account that has the name of the business. The goal is to isolate your business activity apart from your personal activity to make it really clear that when you're working with these figures and you're working with these transactions, they're all related to the business. And then when you go to pay yourself, ideally you're going to just write yourself a check right out of that account, which you can do as a sole proprietor, as an LLC, and then you just pay yourself, and you just have any money that comes out of the business to go into your pocket go through that one method. Now, that's very rare. Most people don't do that. Most people start buying things, and then you have to track those as being personal expenses. But if you can start out with that approach, you'll find that it's a lot easier to keep track of things. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. That's so huge. Then, I, and I, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to pull one thing out that she said there, you know, if if the writing checks to yourself and all of that is going over people's heads, like, I think the one thing to really hone in on is having two accounts, a personal account and a business account. Like, if you can start there, that will make everything that comes after so much easier. Absolutely. And a lot of online banking now, you can actually transfer money. So if your personal account, like you have your personal bank account, you have your business bank account at the same bank, and you're set up as a sole proprietor, so you have your social security number associated with both accounts, a lot of banks now you can do an electronic transfer. That is 100% acceptable as a replacement for a check. A lot of people aren't getting checks anymore. It's kind of gone by the wayside. It's an old archaic approach. Um, but definitely just having that money move in a lump sum Maybe it's $100 a week. Maybe it's once a month. And some of my clients even like to pay themselves based on the session. So they know their overhead. You know, they have an idea from doing their bookkeeping that their monthly overhead is, say, $800. And they know how many sessions they have booked for the month. And they know that of a $100 session, they can pay themselves $50. So every time they have a session and receive a payment, they just transfer $50 from their business account to their personal account. You know, there are as many ways um, to handle it as there are people. You know, there's a wide variety of us. And there's always ways to handle things with a variety of approaches. But the goal is just to make sure that you make it as easy on yourself as possible. If you start using your business bank card, you know, your business debit card, to pay for your kid's soccer uniform and then to pay for your daughter's dance lessons, you're going to be confused at year end. You're going to be confused when you look at your numbers. You're going to think, why did I do that? Why do I have 60 transactions that have nothing to do with my business? I could have just done that through my personal account. And it just makes things more streamlined. And it's being kind to yourself. It's giving yourself a break. It's treating yourself the way that you would be expected to treat your boss if you had a job where you were paying for things. They wouldn't want to see it all mixed together. Just give yourself a break and try to separate it. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I think that's really good advice because it's so easy to just, you know, oh, I'm lazy and I don't want to uh, separate them. So, you know, that that's very good advice. And it's totally fine not to separate them from a legal perspective. It just means you have to have more meticulous records. It means right. that when you go in and do the tracking, you have to be really diligent about ensuring that you tag the things that are personal as personal. So you can do it that way if you're a sole proprietor. There's no rules about that. But most people, I find, it's not even laziness. It's 
lack of clarity. They don't know how much money is there. They don't know when the next check's going to come in. They don't know what bills are coming out. And so they hoard their money in their business account because they don't want to bounce a check out of the business. And then they go there with the debit card and use it because that's where the money is. So getting that bookkeeping system in place so you start to have a better sense of how much money is available to you personally is hugely transformational for your business. It gives you a clearer identity of, what money you're making through the business and spending personally, and what money is left in the business for the business. Because most people avoid the bookkeeping out of fear, and most people, in my 11-plus years of doing this, I've learned most people think things are worse in their business than they are. It's just that they're spending all the money personally. So when you start to separate it, you can give the business pat on the back for being as successful as it is, and then you can deal with the fact that maybe you have a shoe habit or, you know, uh, a crazy pocketbook habit or whatever might be going on with eating out, you know, eating lavishly. And I'm not saying it's not wonderful to eat lavishly, but if you're eating lavishly and you think your business is not working, that's a challenge versus patting your business yeah. on the back and celebrating the success and then saying, all right, I can't be lavish every, you know, night of the week. Maybe I can do this once a week. And then the relationship you have with your business changes. You start to appreciate your business. And, man, does the money start to come in when you appreciate your business you change the flow of money into your business i totally believe that my husband and i were just having Absolutely. a conversation like this today that when you're operating out of urgency and fear and anxiety uh, or even denial around your business it really does seem to cut the flow off and you know when you are more relaxed and you know what's coming in you know what to expect you have a good idea of all that and you're living within your means and operating within your means, I, I find the flow really tends to increase. At least that's how it's been for me. Uh, attitude of gratitude attracts more riches is the saying I like. Absolutely, yeah. and I've witnessed it with so many businesses. I mean, hundreds and hundreds of businesses over the years that when they get these things lined up, even if the business isn't making what they want it to be making, um, even if they're not personally taking in the income that they want, this is the first step to getting to there. You know, you have to start somewhere on that path. The avoidance thing, just it's like basically putting your hands up and saying, no, don't send any more money because I don't even know what to do with it when it comes in. Mm-hmm. 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 Yep. So having that open door, letting the money flow in, and having that system in place. And when I say system, there are as many ways to create a system as you can imagine. I mean, I have clients that do pen and paper. They literally do it by hand. I have clients that use highlighters. I have clients that use, you know, fancy colored folders. And then, of course, the vast majority of my clients like to learn how to use electronics, you know, an electronic system, because you get the bang for the buck. You do data entry into a QuickBooks software. You do data entry into whatever the bookkeeping system is. You have magical buttons you can press to have these gen, you know, genuine reports come out, these things that are so helpful, versus doing it on pen and paper, you have a lot of legwork. But it depends on the person. You know, I always want someone to pick a system that's going to work for them, not a system that they're not going to use. Well, let's confess which systems we use, Bree, um, because I, I love, I'm actually always fascinated with how people keep their records. So, you know, Jessica, I'm assuming you use technology, and Bree, what, I mean, I want to know what you guys are doing. Tell me. Give us the dirt. Well, I use, I use Jessica. <laughs> Jessica. <laughs> exactly. I love really? it. Yeah, yeah, Jessica's my assistant. You know, I, I work with Jessica, and she has access to all of the numbers that she needs, and then she puts reports together for me at the end of every month. I have a balance sheet from her. I have a profit and loss sheet from her. 
what else do I get, Jessica? You send me like four. Yeah, you get month-by-month reports, so you can see each month. You get previous year comparisons, so you can see this year compared to last year. And one of my favorites, you get percentage of income reports that show you of the money that came in, percentage-wise or dollars on the, you know, pennies on the dollar, where did that money go? How much did you allocate to professional development? How much did you allocate to supplies? How much to office supplies? Whatever it might be. And those are the reports that really empower you to understand what's going on with the money and put you in the driver's seat and really turn you into the CEO of your company. Yeah, yeah. So And and so we use electronic systems. I mean, Jessica has a whole, like, robust system set up on her end. So that's Quick what, book. and before I worked with Jessica, I had another bookkeeper and we used QuickBooks, but it was, you know, all bookkeepers are not created equally. And my bookkeeper was a dear woman, but there was very little clarity about what was happening with my numbers. And so since I've worked with Jessica, like that has just changed, you know, immeasurably. What about you, Teresa? What's your system? Well, you guys, I'm kind of an old fart now, so I have to tell you, I've been in business 25 years, and I started out, you know, before all this newfangled computer stuff. Here's where I get to say, back in my day. But anyhow, I I started out with pen and paper, and you know what? I, I tried going electronic for a little while. I hated it, and I discovered that I love doing it pen and paper. I like writing in the numbers. It really makes me feel connected with my numbers. I like balancing my checkbook by hand. My checkbook is color-coded. I have a little system that I use. But my records are impeccable. I mean, at the end of the year, when I bring it into my accountant and say, okay, time to do taxes, I have everything handwritten, but I also create these little um, papers that, that, uh, you know, like a, a little a little page that shows exactly what each column added up, what it all is, et cetera, et cetera. So I make his work as easy as possible, but it's it's all by hand. And it's just very soothing for me, and it's almost meditative when I'm sitting yep. there with my numbers and I'm writing it down and going over my receipts with my highlighters. You know, I that's my jam, guys. It's my thing. I love it. I love it. And you know what? I love, I love how you mentioned awareness because that, for me, is the key. Whether you're doing it yourself or having it done for you, your awareness should be up. You should have more awareness than you did before. You should feel more in touch with your numbers than you did before. And I love that you played around and tried to see if it would work another way, and you said, no, I'm standing by my old yep. standard. This is working for me. I'm a huge proponent of do not fix what's not broken, and you would feel disconnected. And that would not be yes. helpful for your energy, your business, for your, you know, just your everyday experience of the world. You would feel really weird. So I love that you do what works for you. I think that's fantastic. And I love that anyone listening can realize, hey, look, if she can do it that way after being in business for a couple of decades, why can't I do it that way? Yep. You know, it's perfect. One thing that I love to yeah. recommend for entrepreneurs, too, especially when they're new in business, this is some a practice that I got into um, I don't always do it. I go now. I intermittently do it, but carry a little notepad with you and just record every nickel that you spend, every yep. single nickel that goes out, every single nickel that comes in, even the stuff you find on the street. Keep track of it. It gives you so much clarity and awareness to how you are managing your money and how it's coming in and how it's going out. I find that it really gives you. Um, the ability to see where you need to pull back, where you mm-hmm. maybe need to ease up. So 
outside of just bookkeeping for my business, I love keeping track of where my money is coming and going. You know, I think it's Denise mm-hmm. Duffield Thomas said, money likes to be paid attention to. So when we're doing our bookkeeping, when we're doing things like this, money digs that. Oh, and I do something similar when I pay my bills. Whenever I pay a bill, I thank whatever the vendor is or whatever the service is. I literally out loud say, you know, thank you AT&T for providing me with a cell phone so I can be connected to my loved ones with a click of a button. Um, And I do the same thing with money coming in. When I send out my invoices, as I send out each invoice, I literally say, thank you, client name, for bringing this business into my my company. And then when the payments come in, every time I get a notice that somebody's paid me, I I thank them out loud, you know, right here in my space. And then oftentimes if I have a minute, I'll send them a quick note and say, thanks for your payment. You know, it's one of those things where as you notice the flow in and out, it's super, super helpful. Absolutely. I'm big on doing that too. And also what I like to do when I pay my bills is sometimes I like to put cute little stickers on the bills. Just, you know, Uh this sounds stupid, (laughs) but I don't think it's going to brighten the person who opens that envelope is going to get this sticker with Hello Kitty on it. They're going to smile. It's all good energy. (laughs) Absolutely. Because you know they're they're opening countless envelopes and then they remember you. They know your name. I bet they know your name. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And you know, when I when I do taxes, I do the same thing. Like I think of taxes as a form of tithing. And mm. so I'm tithing. I know that taxes don't always go where I would put the money um if I were in charge of those decisions. But I but I really do treat it as a civic tithe. And you know, yes. the taxes are what keep the roads drivable and keep the airways flyable and allow us so many freedoms that we really do, you know, easily take for granted. And so I I think of that. And and that brings me to the big question, the really big question that for so many of our audience members is a huge weight. And this is, it's our taxes. And so there's a lot of fear around them, as you know, Jessica. There's a ton of fear um, especially from self-employed folks. And so we're wondering if you can dispel the fear and tell our audience what they need to know about taxes and how to stay out of trouble. And we're specifically interested in, like, the quarterly tax returns and how to set them up and budget for them um, and all of that jazz. What happens if, you know, you don't have the money that you needed at the end of the year? Like, what can you do? All of that. Absolutely. So I probably might sound a little bit like a broken record, but having a bookkeeping system is going to be the most important ally you could fathom to have when you deal with taxes. Um, The most important thing is to understand how much money you're actually making along the way throughout the course of the year, not only for your own sanity and your own strategic planning and, and, you know, manifesting and all of that, but you want to make sure that you understand what your tax burden is. Um, It is extremely common for people to avoid the bookkeeping. They never add up how much came in, take away how much went out, and find out what's left over. And they, they procrastinate, and then they're in fear. And they're usually afraid that they owe a 
big pile of taxes. And I will tell you that in my many, many, many years of doing this, the people that are the most afraid typically end up being the people that are actually making the least amount of money and therefore in some cases have no tax burden. And the difference that they would have felt energetically had they known that as they were going about their business is massive. I mean, talking night and day. They probably would have started making money because they wouldn't have been so bound up about it. Um, so really the key in order to understand how much you owe in estimated taxes, you need to know how much you've made. And that's what the bookkeeping system will do for you. It'll give you the insight that you need to be able to make these decisions about how much to send in on those quarterly payments, which I always think are funny because the quarterly payments are not actually every quarter. Your first quarterly payment is in April, which is when you pay the year before its final balance if you have one. But you've got a tax payment in April, June, September, and January. And so if you've got a bookkeeping system, you will be able to know in April how much money you've made from January 1st to April 15th, and you'll be able to pay that tax accordingly. Um, you can pay a lot of them now on uh, electronically. You can pay the federal government um, on EFTPS.org, I believe it is, Electronic Federal Tax Payment System.org. Um, and then most of the states, you can now also pay your estimated taxes through an electronic means. Um, and and if you do end up in that situation that Bree mentioned, um, where you haven't done your bookkeeping, super common. It's one of my specialties. I work with clients all the time that are one, two, three, even more years behind. When you do get yourself caught up and you do come into the moment with your financials and figure out how much you owe, um, you can always work out a payment plan with the IRS. One of the things that is helpful to know is that in most cases, not all, depending on your credit profile and everything like that, but in most cases, cases, the penalties and interest that you will pay to the IRS are similar to having a credit card balance. So most people are getting credit cards, you know, somewhere in the 10%, you know, maybe if you have really good credit, maybe a little lower. But you can typically pay that balance off with the IRS over time. Um, they will automatically draft the money out on a monthly basis once you come to an agreement on the monthly payment. Um, I have been very blessed over the years to work with a lot of really wonderful IRS agents when I call in, um, you know, one of the things I recommend is if you're going to call the IRS, you know, if you're a spiritual practitioner, just stop for a few minutes, maybe light a candle, maybe get a cup of tea, do something to ground yourself, and prepare to have a good conversation. You know, go into it expecting someone that's going to be compassionate and caring, and I find that that typically works. I've had clients tell me, I can't believe that that worked. I did that, and I got this sweet old lady, or I got this kind gentleman that was so helpful. But really, the IRS is there to help you. Um, they deal with millions of people who are behind with their taxes. And the key is just to communicate with them. You know, you really don't want to be in a position where you're getting the letters and, you know, breathing down your neck for past dues and, you know, years where you haven't filed. Um, but definitely having a bookkeeping system will make everything related to taxes so much easier. Um, you know, I have clients that will say to me, the first year I had you, I, I literally sat there stunned, like, wait, they're they're done? The tax guy finished? Like, wait a minute, what? There's no stress? There's no freaking out? There's no problems? Um, once you get everything pulled together, you know, like I said, whether you're doing it yourself or having it done for you, uh, having that bookkeeping system is really going to change things for you. That's true. Yeah, that's so, so, so important. One of the things that I do, too, with my accountant, you know, at the end of the year, of course, we always do the tax thing and see if I owe any money. And uh, chances are, usually, I for some reason, I always end up owing owing something. It may be just a couple dollars or it may be a lot. 
so I just seem to never totally get away with that. Um, but what I do then is we figure out how much I'm going to owe quarterly. And to, so my, my system to make sure that I always have the money then is I take that amount. So let's say I, I'm going to give you a fake number. Let's say I owe $100 quarterly. I wish. Then what I do is I divide <laughs> it by the number 12, meaning 12 weeks. Mm-hmm. And that will tell me how much money I need to put away each week in this account for my taxes. So I'm never caught short, ever, 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 when it comes time to pay my quarterlies because I know what my number is and I divide it all up and I just, every week, I put that money away. Absolutely. Of, uh, and that's really common once you've done a tax return. Most CPAs will provide you with what's called estimated tax payment coupons. And mm-hmm. it will literally say right on the cover sheet, each quarter, here's the amount, you know, 2400 every quarter, whatever the number happens to be for that individual. And what I find is so helpful to have the bookkeeping system is that number is great if you're pacing with the same numbers as last year. So like when Brianna was talking about the reports that come for her uh, in her bookkeeping system, we compare this year to date to last year. Year to date. So mm-hmm. what that report tells us is if we're about the same as last year, great. That estimated amount is right. If we're making less money than last year, we don't need the insult added to that injury of being short in the fact that we're making less money. We don't want to send $2,400 for that quarter when we haven't earned enough to make that the right, right amount. And then the other one, which people get caught all the time, they double, triple, quadruple their business, and they don't change their estimated tax amount, and that's when they owe a big chunk of change in April. So having that bookkeeping Mm -hmm. system, you just notice every single month, and either you have someone like me helping you or you have someone else helping you or you're just doing it yourself, you're going to get into the practice of starting to engage with the numbers in a new way. When you go from um, avoidance and not having any insights to then having this awareness, you'll find three, four months in that you know exactly what you want to find in those reports. You want to drill down and see, you know, how much you spent on this and how much came in here. And hey, how much did I make and what does that do and what is the impact of that? And it's so empowering. I mean, that's the goal of having a bookkeeping system is to be empowered. I mean, you are the king or queen of your organization. You should feel like it. You should feel like you can Mm -hmm. walk proud and tall and know what's going on. And even if the information isn't great, you know, it's very common that someone will look at it and say, geez, I really don't want to pay the IRS that much money but you still have more empowerment than going oh how much do i owe oh my god i can't sleep at night because i don't know if i can even put food on the table by having to send this money out so mm-hmm. it's super super helpful so um, one of the things i wanted to ask you from that then is what is the biggest tax mistake that you what is the most common tax mistake that you see your your clients making The most common tax mistake is setting your business up as an S-corporation and not having payroll. If you are an S-corporation, you absolutely have to be taking a substantial portion of your income out as payroll, meaning you have to be filing quarterly payroll tax returns, you have to be withholding taxes from your wages, sending that money in every month. Now, you can use a payroll service to do that, which I highly recommend. I myself use a payroll service. I'd be happy to recommend one if you want to get in touch with me. I can set you up with a really great company. Um, I love to make a direct introduction and get you going. But really, that is the most common tax mistake I see people making. 
And the other one is the one we've always been talking about tonight is just avoiding this and not paying taxes at all and getting stuck at the end of the year with a big bill. But definitely super, super common for people to set up an S-corporation because their lawyer or their CPA told them to, and for whatever reason, the lawyer or the CPA didn't mention, hey, there's this really important thing you've got to do, and it's become super common in the past few years. Um, as people have probably heard, the IRS has had huge budget cuts. They do not have as much staff as they used to. Um, they're significantly understaffed, so they have eliminated what they call unprofitable audits. So they will not do audits that don't lead to money. As corporations who have a profit, who do not have payroll, are guaranteed to give them more tax income. So they will audit any S corporation that doesn't have payroll if that company is turning a profit. So super, super important. I did not know. Wow. Yep. And that's why a lot of people... Yeah. It's not a great idea to become an S-corporation until you're making a substantial amount of money. A rough number, because I have clients nationally and internationally, so I always have to kind of come up with these ballpark figures. My rough number for the nationwide approach is until you're making about thirty dollars to $40,000, that's about when you want to consider becoming an S-corporation. Anything sooner than that, it's not really going to work to your advantage. You're going to have more burdens because of the structure rather than gain. Um, but you can definitely reduce your taxes. You can significantly reduce your self-employment taxes by becoming an S-corporation, um, and I walk clients through this evaluation process all the time, so if that's something you're wondering, hmm, that sounds like that might work for me. I'm making 50 grand. You know, I'm not sure how to make my taxes go down. I'd be happy to connect with you one-on-one -on -one to kind of sort through that process, um, but definitely having payroll as an S-corp, and it's super common. Like when you ask Teresa, like, what's the most common mistake? Literally nine out of ten clients that come to me as new clients as S-corporations do not have payroll. And they may have been an escort for three, four, five years, and they've never had payroll. Yep. Yeah, that's a biggie. So what about a write-off then? What can you write off? You know, and what should you never write off? You know, what might be some of the Never write off a cruise. Never write off a cruise. <laughs> I mean, there are a few real true exceptions to that, but it is a really good rule of thumb to not write off cruises. And anything meals and entertainment related, you want to be really clear that it was truly business because meals and entertainment and travel are two gigantic audit categories for the IRS. Um, mm -hmm. So really, for me, uh, the key with this is I find that a lot of people, you kind of have two camps. You have people that are really, really aggressive and they're writing off things they shouldn't be. And then more common is you have people that are super concerned and don't want to do anything wrong and don't want to break the rules, and they leave so many deductions on the table, and they end up paying way more in taxes than they need to. So for me, it's always about paying as little tax as you legally can. You know, you want to be in that right in that sweet spot where you're not under-reporting your expenses and you're not over-reporting your expenses. Um, typically, a really good rule of thumb is ask yourself – is this something that my business could not live without? So, mm -hmm. for example, people will say to me, you know, I didn't realize that I could write off, um, you know, computer software, and I didn't realize that I could write off travel. Like, there's a lot of travel that is actually truly for business. Like, if you're going to go to a conference, whether you're appearing there as a speaker or you're attending that as a, an attendee, 
absolutely write off that travel. Um, and there's a really great book out there by June Walker. Um, she is a wonderful CPA that focuses on a lot of um, artistic type businesses. And I'm just going to look up and see what the name of that book is. It has to do with being an indie, doing your indie bookkeeping. Um, but I love her book because she has a lot of really great case studies in there that show you um, actual examples of deductions. Because based off of your profession, like for example, um, I do a lot of energy work in my business. I buy a lot of supplies. I know Brianna, for example, buys a lot of things. You know, people would probably mm -hmm. think it's nuts. I'm a bookkeeper and I'm writing off bottles of olive oil, but I have a spiritual practice where I'm doing things on behalf of my clients and I'm making offerings of olive oil, so I'm writing off olive oil, you know. And there's yeah. things like that that are so specific to your own individual business. But if you have any questions about that stuff, like I said before, please feel free to contact me. I love helping people find their hidden deductions. And the website for June Walker's book is junewalkeronline.com, and you'll see on there that she has um, different articles too, um, but she definitely has a book called The Confident Indie, and that really gives you some great advice about deductions for your specific profession. You know, I have clients that appear on TV. They go on special talk shows. In certain cases, you can write off hair and makeup. Makeup, it's limited, though. You have to be careful with those. Um, but the more aggressive you are, the less you'll pay in taxes. You just want to educate yourself. Right on. Yeah. One of my big lessons around that was um, I was actually really conservative with things that I wrote off. And Jessica, you know, was able to look over things and say, yeah, I think, I think that you can be a little bit less conservative in some of these areas. And so that was a real... It was, like, deeply helpful to me. And that's one of the huge advantages of having not your business, just your business bookkeeping but also your personal bookkeeping done because I handle both for Brianna. So what ends up happening is I see things go through on the personal and I say, hey, wait, Brian David, this, this seems like this should be over here on the business, and then we just make an entry and adjust it. And it's hugely helpful to be able to track both. And I always recommend people start with their business because that's where your income is generated. So get your business numbers lined up. But then once you get in the flow with that, definitely having that personal picture every month is so, so insightful. It really shows you where the money's coming in, where it's going, both business, you know, professionally and personally. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep, it totally does. So we have another question that just came in, guys. It's coming in from awesome. Colin. And she asks, what do you think of LegalZoom to get your company organized? Yeah, so I have some mixed feelings about LegalZoom, and I'll, I'll tell you why. Um, the first thing is there's not really a lot of hand-holding and a lot of exploration on the front end, meaning it's really important to actually evaluate what structure is going to be right for you and your business. Um, so having someone who understands you and understands your business and understands your numbers from a specific perspective, not just in general, but like literally you and your numbers, to help you decide what structure to set up is super important. That doesn't really come with LegalZoom. And unfortunately, the vast majority of circumstances where I have seen clients not be protected by their entity structure, it was because it was set up through a service like that. Um, there is a lot that goes into setting up an entity that LegalZoom doesn't require you to do. Um, for example, if you become an S corporation, you have to have articles of incorporation. I couldn't even believe it when my lawyer handed me the stack. It was like a half an inch thick. And I thought, this is for my business? This is my bylaws? What is this? 
And that's why I hired her, because she is the expert at what she does. Um, it's an okay thing if you really are strapped and you definitely have a clear reason for needing liability protection. But what I always tell people is I am a huge proponent of insurance over structure, meaning I find that in the vast majority of circumstances, my clients have been protected by their insurance well more, like, like far above and beyond any type of structure, entity structure. Um, so in most cases, having an insurance policy, um, errors and omissions coverage, um, I know there are organizations out there that will cover spiritual practitioners, they'll cover massage therapists, and all different types of people that are in the arts like we are talking about tonight. Um, but definitely having that personal connection, and I feel the same way about your accountant, about your bookkeeper, about your lawyer. I feel like those are contributors to your business where having a real relationship pays back in untold fortunes. Like, literally, you get more from having a relationship with that person. Um, so I'm a strong fan of, of working with someone to actually evaluate the process and set it up for your business. Yeah, brilliant. So kind of going along with that, how do people start setting a budget for their business, Jessica? Like, what do they need to know to just start that process? Absolutely. I find that historical behavior is the best indicator of future behavior, meaning once you get your numbers collected, I always recommend if you're going to do a budget, sit down and do at least two to three months. You know, most people are going to need to go back to January 1st to get tax prep ready, and that's awesome because you get a whole wealth of data right then and there. You know, if we sit down on June 29th and look back, we're going to have six months right in front of us, and that's going to tell us what we've been doing, and in some cases it's unconscious. Like, that's what we've been doing unconsciously. Now we're going to bring conscious awareness to the table, so we're going to change some of those things. You know, I remember when I was unconsciously spending $600 a month eating out, and now I'm consciously spending, you know, $600 a week on groceries because I'm eating very differently. But the consciousness is the key because when you have the unconscious spending, the, the, the cost of $600 a month in eating out was so much more debilitating to me financially than the actual conscious choice to eat the way we eat now and spend the way we spend now. So the budget for me is always going to be about taking a look back, and it's a compassionate look back. This is not about beating yourself up and getting down on yourself and feeling horrified that you spent so much money on clothing or travel or meals out or whatever it might be in your own personal desires that you've been indulging. But when it comes right down to it, looking back at least a couple of months is a really great way to kind of get a framework for what's going to go forward with your budget. You're going to pick up on things that you might not have thought of off the top of your head, you know, depending on your family. Maybe you forgot your kids' haircuts or, you know, seasonality. You might have forgotten about camp, and you might want to plan for camp over the course of the year rather than just get slammed in the summer months. But looking back and allowing that to inform your process as you go forward and I find it super, super helpful to come up with at least three budgets. One, I call the survival budget. It's the absolute must-haves. So that's the surviving. And then I have the thriving budget, where you feel like you're comfortable, you have some of the things that you've been dreaming about, you know, things are getting better financially, you've got more going on, and then you have your dreaming budget. And the dreaming budget is one you should never reach. It's the one that you are always updating. So whenever your dreaming budget becomes your thriving budget, it's time to go back to the drawing board and come up with a new dreaming budget. 
but allows us to tell the universe what we want for ourselves and how we want to continue growing and expanding financially. And so having the look back and then setting up those three budgets is going to give you the perspectives that you need to be able to consciously manage your money without, you know, confusion, without doubt, and really having an awareness of where the money is going once it comes in. That's really good advice. And, you know, what I love is how you incorporate so much heart, no wonder we're heart-based business, here and, uh, and soul into this whole thing. Uh, you really do help us take the fear out, but also to treat our money practices like a spiritual practice. Oh, absolutely. And I learned that, you know, from experience. Um, I, I really had the benefit of walking the hard road. You know, I've gone through bankruptcy, I've gone through foreclosure, um, and that was all during the journey of my business. You know, that was mm-hmm. in 2009. I started my company in 2006, and, you know, a lot of people were like, wow, how, how did that happen to a bookkeeper? Hey, knowing the numbers doesn't mean the numbers are going to be exactly what you want them to be, but having love and compassion for yourself along the journey and, and connecting with the Money in a way that allows you to really um, expand and, and grow into the business owner that you were dreaming you could be when you started your business, uh, definitely cannot do that without the spiritual energetic aspects of this, which is why I do Reiki work with my clients. You know, I do energy work with my clients because really it's never going to work if it's just the practical. You have to have that grounded and present state of mind when you work with this stuff. And nobody can get there alone. You know, you can't get there if you're scared. You can't go from scared to feeling freedom, you know, you have to work through that. Um, And I found that those spiritual and energetic practices really do support that process. Mm -hmm. So we've got one more question here, and I want to pose this question to both you, Bree, and you, Jessica. And I want to talk about the advice for working with a bookkeeper. So what I want to ask you, Bree, is from your perspective as someone who works with a bookkeeper, What advice would you give listeners about how to really have an effective relationship with your bookkeeper? And Jessica, what I would like you to answer is, what should people bring to the table? What do they need to know about how to really work with you well? What is your dream client? Sabri, why don't you start? Uh, Such a good question. Um, So I would say that when you're looking for a bookkeeper, you uh, I'll I'll just say for myself, one of the things I really wanted was to understand my numbers. So there's a difference between having your numbers orderly and organized and like able to be handed off to an accountant versus having your numbers orderly, organized, able to be handed off to an accountant and you know, presented in a way that you understand. And so that was the first thing. When I came to Jessica over a year ago now, um, you know, I had I had numbers, and but I didn't really know what, like I knew what some of them meant, but I didn't have a, the clearest overall picture. And she really has helped me have that with my business, which has allowed us to make certain decisions um, that, you know, we wouldn't have been able to make with the kind of clarity and confidence that we have. And so that transparency for me was really important. I also really needed somebody who got sacred arts, right, who got the fact that I am an intuitive counselor and that I teach and that I create rituals and ceremonies for people and is not going to be like, 
Brianna, why are we taking as a business expense, you know, three pounds of olive oil? Like, what are you doing? You know, I needed somebody who got my particular business and who was going to, you know, be able to jam with me on that. And so she very much, Jessica and I, started out with a consultation, and she very much was just clearly that person. And the other thing that's really important for me is enthusiasm. I think number stuff is really scary, and I want somebody who is no-nonsense, but I also want somebody who's a little bit of a cheerleader and who can be like, okay, this is rough, but, like, look at what can, we can do, or look at what you've done that you didn't even know was happening and how awesome this is. And so Jessica is so positive. And for me, that's really important because part of my money story, remember when we were talking about that with Barry, is is that there's a lot of fear and intimidation around money. And so I wanted to work with somebody who was super open, super transparent, and totally did not have that fear and intimidation motif happening. And so Jessica was like the perfect fit for me in that way, whereas the the other bookkeeper that I had, like, there was no transparency, and there was very little interaction. You know, that's the other thing. Communication is huge for me. I'm a Libra, so I really wanted somebody where I, you know, and I know I can email Jessica anytime I have a question, and I, she gets back to me. Like, communication is key when it comes to this stuff, because, you know, this is this is the guts of your business. Like, if you want to, you want to see what's happening, this is where you look. And that can be a really heavy thing to do. And so I wanted somebody who would, who would hold my hand and guide me and also really encourage and inspire me. And that the, all of those qualities were essential. Awesome. Love it. Love it. You know, and for me, really, the way I see my role is – my ideal client is someone who is absolutely in love with their work and just cannot keep up with the numbers side of their business. And whenever I first interact with someone, my goal is to compassionately witness them exactly where they are. So I want them to come to me exactly where they are. I don't want them to feel like they have to be different, that there's anything that they need to hide, that there's anything they should be ashamed of. I've heard it all. I've seen it all. Everybody. I mean, there's huge names out there that I could mention that I would never do because I wouldn't violate confidentiality. But if I mention names of people that came to me with three, four, five years worth of back work bookkeeping, your jaws would drop. You'd say, that person didn't do their bookkeeping? It is so incredibly common. So the first thing I want someone to do is just to let themselves off the hook. The fact that you're even on this call and even approaching this topic with some curiosity and wondering is huge. And for me, that first conversation is always going to be about helping them to identify. Is this something that's going to be done for you or is this something you want to do yourself. I always say DIY or DFY because I provide both. I provide the education and the training to become your own bookkeeper and become efficient and actually adept at it in a way that you will look forward to your numbers. You will look forward to your monthly bookkeeping process. And if done for you sounds more appealing, that's a huge component of this. If you've been putting it off for a long time, it may be because you don't have the time. You may not have the capacity to add this to your practice. You may have a thriving business where you're busy and this is never going to be on the main docket. You know, this is always going to fall by the wayside. And Bree touched on this. For me, the key is when you have the bookkeeping 
being done for you, you're not abdicating. You're not giving it away and throwing your hands up and saying, I don't understand this shit. You're actually saying, I want to understand this so much that I am going to give it to you so that when it comes back to me, it's in a format I can digest and actually synthesize into something of value. So for me, it's always going to be about meeting someone where they're at, helping them to come into the present moment with their bookkeeping in a way that is naturally connecting with who they are and how they do things, and then setting them up with a system that will provide them with the insights and the knowledge and the wisdom they need to be the best possible business owner that they can be. I mean, all of us went into business because we have a passion. You know, we have a gift. We have a talent. We have a skill. There's something that we want to bring to the marketplace, and we really really feel that from within, this is the aspect of most people's businesses that holds them back. And so for me, it's about giving these business owners the ability to continue doing what they love to do because you have to be profitable. This is, you don't go into business to lose money. You don't go into business to struggle. You go into business to help people and to provide for yourself. And this is that key I find is missing in so many businesses. And so having that empowerment, you know, and if, if it's not me and if it's somebody else, I always say you should feel comfortable approaching this person. You should feel like they are listening to you. You should feel like they are willing to answer your questions honestly and thoroughly, and they should absolutely get back to you. And I wish I could say that those things are true in my profession, but bookkeepers and accountants are incredibly known for none of that. <laughs> you know, they're judgmental, um, they procrastinate, they never reply, they act shocked when you say, why haven't you gotten back to me? They say, oh, I didn't even know that you were waiting to hear from me, and that is absolutely not helpful. So absolutely make sure that you feel comfortable and feel connected in some way with this person that you're going to be working on this with. And they should actually, you should feel like they're on your team. And so Bree had mentioned that. You know, they should be cheering for you. The, the, your success is their shared success. And so that's how I feel about my clients. I mean, I get a little bit overwhelmed when I look at the list of my clients and I think about the impact and the breadth and the depth of their work in the world and how my bookkeeping system is supporting them in actually fulfilling their own personal dreams but also their professional dreams. So really having a confident connection with that person where you know they're in your corner is huge. That is incredible advice, and this has been a really incredible show. We are getting right down to the minute. So, Jessica, where can people find you again? Yes, heartbasedbookkeeping.com, which you can also just type in heartbased.com. And I do offer a free initial consultation to anyone who is looking to explore how to get their bookkeeping caught up or a new way of getting their bookkeeping done so they can really feel the empowerment that we've been talking about. So I welcome contacts from anyone that has enjoyed tonight's show. And I will be on vacation for a little bit, but uh, you'll get my out of office and I'll get back to you as soon as I get back in the office. But I'm just so thrilled to be spreading the word even further and wider about how money uh, can become a source of ease and support in your business and how tracking the numbers can actually work for you instead of against you. So heartbasedbookkeeping.com, and feel free to connect with me on Facebook again, Jessica Reagan-Salzman. Well, that wraps She's up awesome. This, yes, <laughs> and that wraps up this episode of Talking Shop. Wow. It does. So, Teresa, what was your biggest takeaway from this episode? What did you learn? Well, of course, I learned a lot. I mean, my I was taking little notes here. I, I loved everything she had to say about, you know, taxes. But I really think the biggest takeaway for me was about, you know, 
cutting yourself some slack, giving yourself compassion, because I think that is a huge issue when it comes to all this number stuff. I, I think we we get really bent out of shape about it, especially if, you know, God forbid we make a mistake or we, we have so much fear around it. And I really love the idea of taking the fear out, taking the shame out, you know, being compassionate and and just going from where you are and, and, and becoming more aware. So I love that part of it. What about you? What was your biggest takeaway or what's the favorite little piece of advice maybe that you got out of this, Bree? You know, I love her emphasis on becoming conscious about what is coming in and what is going out and where it's going. And I think it's so fascinating how a lack of consciousness can directly lead to a place of less profitability, you know, whereas choosing to become conscious, like even if the information isn't the greatest, actually allows you to have better financial flow. And I just, I think that whole process is so fascinating and I really, and I think for our people, like it's also really inspiring because, you know, what many of us do is we look at tougher things that we tend to want to, you know, ignore in culture. And so this is one of those areas where we get to apply that medicine into our own lives and our businesses. So I love that. Right on. I totally agree. It's just good stuff. Yeah, it is. So towards the end of each episode, as you all know, we like to share a few fun tidbits, like books we've been reading lately, blogs we're obsessed with, favorite songs, TV shows, food, stuff like that. Just some fun stuff that we think you, our lovely listeners, might enjoy discovering too. Sometimes we might share business-related recommendations, sometimes not. Because, you know, it can't be all business all the time. It's super boring. So, Teresa, my love, what's something you've discovered recently or something you've been really into? Well, of course, I do like all things business. And there's some blogs that I've been following that are spiritually inclined people who are are talking some business stuff that I think our listeners might want to check out. Um, There's a website, Girl Boss Woo. And the gal behind that, Gianna Cadlick, is brilliant, and she writes some awesome stuff, uh, really good business stuff. Uh, another blog that I like, it is actually an astrologer named Mecca, and it's called MyLifeCreated.com, but she puts in, you know, a lot of great astrology stuff, and occasionally there's like some businessy stuff thrown in there as well. And there's two more blogs I want to recommend. I am in love with Dreadlock Tarot. Dreadlock Tarot, her name is Ashley Upon. She's a very young reader. She's super bright. She writes some business posts, and i got to tell you, she brings truth. She brings truth. She is smart. Uh, she wrote a fabulous post recently about, you know, the sure signs your business is going to fail, and I, I just think everybody should read that. It's dreadlocktarot.com. And the last one, there's, there's another person, too, in our industry, Kelly Ann Maddox, and she's a wonderful reader, super talented. I had a great reading by her. But she writes a lot about business, too. And I think this is something our peers need to to pay attention to. And you can find her at kellyannmaddox.com. And Kellyanne actually has a dash between Kelly and Ann. And I just think she's a smart cookie. I like what she says. I think she's got a big heart. And, you know, these are some really emerging leaders in our industry of people who are putting some business stuff out there 
and they're doing it with heart, just like Jessica's doing her bookkeeping with heart. So this is this is right up our alley. But um, anyhow, what about you, Bree? What are some things you're obsessed I, with besides Game of Thrones? <laughs> I know. I was going to say, Teresa, I can't believe that Game of Thrones did not make that list. But I, I, know. Knew, I knew that it's first. It's first. Um, I just talked with Gianna um, today, actually, from Girl Boss Woo, and I love her, and I love her stuff, so I second that. And Ashley over at Dreadlock Tro is darling, and I love her stuff, too. Um, I have also, I've been diving in, of course, to Barry's new book, Barry Tesler, who we had yeah. on the show a couple of episodes again, right, uh, ago. She has her book out. And, you know, it, I'm it's amazing. Totally, <laughs> it's amazing. amazing, you know, and she, she just had, I think one of her articles was just on Oprah.com and Barry's just rocking it. And so I'm super pumped about that. And then a friend of mine I just saw on Facebook is signing a book deal for a cookbook, Tracy Corvells, that's C-E-U-R-V-E-L-S. She is an amazing uh, cook and recipe maker. And actually the first year, the second year I was full time in my business, I did a service with her where she sent me dinner recipes for every night of the week because I really love to cook, right? As you do, Teresa. I love to cook. It's the way that I unwind after my day, Mm -hmm. you know, a little bit of wine, a little bit of cooking. There's just nothing quite like it. And Tracy put these beautiful menus together. She even, like, would give me a shopping list. And I don't think she does that service anymore, but I really loved it, and I've just loved her stuff ever since then. And I saw she just signed a contract for, I believe the title is the NYC Cookbook. So I'm super Mm. pumped for her and for that. Yeah. Those are good stuff. And what about you, Jessica? What's something you're obsessed with? Are you a Game of Thrones fanatic, too? Uh, my husband is, but I absolutely appreciate your little write-ups because Barry and I share the similar thing where if I read that, then I'm all right. <laughs> but I will say that one of the things I have been super into lately, um, two food items. One is um, Pressed by Kind is the name of the uh, brand, I guess. I think it's Kind is the brand. But they have these pineapple coconut chia uh, only fruit bars that are just amazing. Mm. I've been overdosing on those. And then this other company called Go Raw has these amazing lemon sprouted cookies. I cannot get enough of these mm. two things. I think I'm going to turn into a pumpkin over here eating all of them. Um, but yeah, that. And then absolutely, you know, I have to second my dear colleague and friend and client and just multi-level collaborator Barry because Barry Tesler and I have a lot of things we do together. And her book, The Art of Money, has just been an amazing process to participate in the journey. Um, I helped edit mm-hmm. the book and just seeing it come out. And now seeing Oprah putting it up on her site, um, I just am such a huge fan of Barry's and her work in the world. And, uh, you know, it's actually funny. Way back when, in 2006, when I first started my company, I did a business plan because my grandfather was my original investor, and I wanted to impress him and have all the bells and whistles with the business plan. And the only competitor that I listed was Conscious Bookkeeping. This is back when Barry was still doing bookkeeping. (laughs) And so when she and I first met, um, she called me. Uh, back in November of 2012 before I started helping her with Art of Money in 2013. And um, we got on the phone, and the first thing she says to me is, I said, like, hi, Barry, you know, whatever. She goes, 
you're not from California. And I said, no, no, I'm from Boston. And then we immediately started talking about how way back when we both kind of had our eye on each other. And she said, did we ever think we would become such collaborators, you know? So I absolutely love that Art of Money is out there. I think, you know, over the past 10 plus years that I've been doing this work, you know, I rebranded my business as Heart-Based Bookkeeping in 2009. And back then, people were like, what the hell does that even mean? Like, what is heart-based? And now, people are coming to me saying, I came to you because of the fact that you're heart-based. So the tide has Mm -hmm. really changed, and, you know, we've all become more spiritually integrated. You know, we don't just have our spiritual practices that we do in a, you know, sheltered and quiet way, but a lot of us are just stepping into this holistic way of doing life and business and having all of who we are present in all of what we do. Um, So I just think the fact that the art of money is now published is just a huge sign of the times um, and we couldn't be luckier to be alive it's such a great time mm-hmm. yes so last but not least we have a few announcements Teresa is there anything you want our listeners to know about that's happening in your business world any upcoming classes new projects things like that well my book is now at the printers so everything is on time. Yay! <laughs> I know. So the tarot coloring book is now being printed as we speak, and it will be available November 1st. And the only other major exciting thing is I am speaking again at the World Domination Summit, which is coming up in August. I'm leading a tarot workshop uh, called Hack Your World with Tarot, and this year I'm adding in some really cool intuitive exercises and creative exercises, so it's going to be really fun. What about you, Bree? What what's new? Any announcements? The big thing that's happening over in my world is spinning gold, my year-long course on fairy tales and sacred arts and living an enchanted life is open for registration. It is open uh, through August 18th, and I will actually be dropping a very cool new offering on Monday, on July 4th, when everybody's by the pool here. Um, I will be dropping a new offering that is inspired by the Delphic Oracle, and that is all that I will say about that until it comes out. Awesome. So before we sign up, a sign off. <laughs> a happy reminder. <laughs> if you love talking shop, you see what I, you got me already. I'm ready to sign up for whatever it is is dropping on Monday. <laughs> yes. yes, that's right. <laughs> yes. Um, if you love talking shop, don't forget that you can listen to all of the previous shows for free by visiting the Talking Shop archives. And you can find those on my site at thetarolady.com. Just go to the tab called Free Resources, hop on down to Talking Shop under Podcasts. You'll find all the jazz there. And also, we are on iTunes and Stitcher. We just got on Stitcher, by the way. And for iTunes, if you want to find us, you can uh, just search for Talking Shop with Teresa and Bree, and boom, it's right there, and you can subscribe to all the episodes. And where can they find Talking Shop on your page, Bree? So everybody just go to BrianaSaucy.com. And you will see in the nav a tab that says work with me. If you mouse over that, multiple choices will appear, and one of them is the Talking Shop page. That will have the current show information as well as the archives from all of the previous shows. So just go right there. All right, and that's it today. And Bree, what about you guys so much? Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Jessica. Thank you.
We may have to have you oh, back fabulous. again. There's so much more to talk about with you, so do keep us I in would mind. love that. And if anybody has questions, you know where to find me. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you, Thank you Jessica. So we hope that all of you will join us again next month. And it's actually going to be next week for another round of Talking Shop. We will be talking about pricing with the one and only Fabeku Fatuniche of Fabeku.com. And that show happens on Wednesday, July 6th. That is next week, everyone, at 8 p.m. CT. You guys are getting a little bit of a double header on Talking Shop this time around. Yeah, well, we got we got all that money stuff that we're trying to cover. So again, until then, you guys can find me Teresa at thetarolady dot com. Bree, and you can find me Bree at briannasaucy dot com. Thank you again for listening. Yes, and everybody, just keep on keep on plugging away to build the mystical business of your dreams. Stay on your grind. We know you're going to make this a great month, and we just appreciate you all for being here. So thank you. Thanks, everyone. Good night. Good night.